Uh, my name's Chris. I'm one of the teaching pastors here, and you're in for a treat because today we're starting a new series entitled Inked. And uh, I don't know kind of what your thought is of tattoos, if you got one, if you're not, but I promise you we're going to have a great time with this series. Let me kind of let you know where we're going to be going over the next two months because during the month of April, we're going to be in this series entitled Inked. And the entire premise is, what is marking your life? You know, one of the things that we're going to realize through these next four weeks is words, actions, things your parents did, maybe things that your teachers did. We all have stuff that we've been inked with, and it feels permanent, and it feels like it identifies us. And we're going to be talking about over these next four weeks how we can find our identity, how we can find our true marks in God. So I'm really excited about this series. And then the following series, we're doing something called Bad Ink. We're going to have a great time with that one. So over the next two months, we're going to be talking about tattoos. So if you're uncomfortable with it, <laughs> buckle up. Um, wanted to let you know what we're going to be talking about, the Bad Ink series. Uh, we're going to be talking about a lot of things that most churches don't talk about. We're going to be talking about where men and women find their identity. We're going to be talking about pornography. We're going to be talking about infertility. We're going to be talking about a lot of things, like I said, that most people, most churches, most Christians just really don't want to talk about because it's too painful. So I would really encourage you uh, to hang out with us, and that is going to be in the month of May. Can you believe I'm talking about the month of May? Oh, my gosh, right? I mean, there's still snow on the ground in Iowa. That's the reason why you don't live in Iowa. Bam! Just saying. All right. (laughs) All right. Let me, let's talk about this. Anybody from Iowa, by the way? Good. All right, cool. Um, Not good, but, you know, good that I didn't offend you. That's what I meant. That's what I meant. Anyway, let me stay on the notes. Uh, We're going to be talking about inked and tattooing. Here's the cool thing about tattoos is tattoos, it used to just be like a biker thing, but now kind of everybody has them, like doctors, CEOs, CFOs, you know, accountants, everybody kind of has them. And what's so amazing is that 45 million Americans have a tattoo. Now, this is interesting. Of all the people that have tattoos, 60% of women have tattoos. Did you know that? Why? All right. Did a... All right, hang on, bring it down. There's here. All right, you, you, you want to know why? You want to know why women get more tattoos than men? Because men are wusses, right? <laughs> Just saying, ladies, you guys have childbirth. You got all of that stuff. We stub our toe and we start crying like a little girl. So I'm just saying, here's the, here's the thing, the whole, uh, the word ink or tattoo, tattoo comes from a Samoan word and it means to mark. And the whole process is so interesting because we've been interviewing people who do tattoos and stuff. You're going to be seeing some of that. There's a little tiny needle that makes an injection about an eighth of an inch underneath the skin. And that needle goes about 100 times a second up to 3,000 times a minute. If you go too deep, it's going to hurt. If you go too light, it's not going to look right and it's going to kind of fade. And, uh, and again, some of you are kind of scratching your heads right now because you're like, maybe you grew up in church. You're like, why are we talking about tattoos in church? Because for some of you who grew up in church, this is the only time you've ever heard a tattoo, and it's don't. In fact, it came from this verse. Leviticus 19.28 says this. Do not cut your bodies for the dead, and do not mark your skin with tattoos. I am the Lord. And usually a parent usually went to a teenager and said, see, you shouldn't get a tattoo. But let me kind of unpack this verse so that we can kind of move forward. Because this verse really isn't talking about tattoos. In this entire chapter, it's talking about worshiping pagan deities and worshiping other gods. In fact, the verse before this, it says that you shouldn't eat meat with blood still in it. Does that mean I can't get my steak rare? 
right? And then after this verse, it talks about not cutting your hair. And for some of you, I can tell you cut your hair, right? I mean, no cousin it's in here, right? And, and what would happen in that day and age is that people would mark, people would cut their skin, people would cut their hair so that they would be identified with a pagan god. And this really thing isn't talking about tattoos or inking yourself because it's basically saying, what god are you going to worship? Now, this is interesting. Did you know that God has a tattoo? I know you're going, what? Right? Look at it. This is Isaiah chapter 49. And let me kind of give you some, some backstory. God's people, the Israelites, feel like that God has abandoned them. In fact, some of you, that's exactly how you feel right now. You feel like God is totally outside of your picture and outside of your experience. And this is what happens. Jerusalem says, the Lord has deserted us. The Lord has forgotten us. Again, some of you feel that way. But God intervenes, and in verse 15, he says this. Never can a mother forget her nursing child. What's the answer? Never, right? Can she feel no love for the child she has born? What's the answer? Never. But even if that were possible, I would not forget you. I like that. And then in verse 16, here it is. Behold, I have indelibly imprinted, that is what? Tattooed a picture of who? You. And your name on the palms of my hands. Now that tells me a couple of things. Number one, he's got some really big hands. But number two. He has a picture, he has your name permanently on his hands. That's how much he thinks of you. So in the, over the next four weeks, we're going to be talking about what does God think of you? What does God think of you? Where can you get your identity from? This is very interesting. As I was doing some studying for this teaching series, do you know the number one thing that people have tattooed on their bodies? A person's name. All right. Do you know the second biggest reason why people go into tattoo parlors? To cover up their name. That's exactly right. All right. Thanks for coming to One Church. Gina Davis. How many of y'all remember Gina Davis? She's an actress. All right. Gina Davis had to have her tattoo of her ex-husband's name altered to look like a Denny's restaurant logo. Okay, time out. Who wants to have the Denny's logo on your body? All right, not me, all right? Anyway, let's go, Kimo. I was going to show pictures of these tattoos, but then there's this one, and I couldn't. Pamela Anderson. Um, Pamela Anderson had to convert the T in Tommy around her finger to an M for Mommy because her and Tommy Lee broke up, all right? And then there's Johnny Depp. Any Johnny Depp friends in the house? Y'all know he's from Kentucky, right? Explains a lot. Just saying. Anyway. Only persons getting offended in here are Kentucky people, all right, which is about third, about a third of y'all. All right, anyway, stay on point. Uh, Johnny Depp had a tattoo on her arm, on his arm when Winona Ryder and him when they got engaged and got married, and it was and it said Winona forever. Well, the, the relationship didn't last forever. It lasted three years. So he went back into the tattoo parlor and he changed it to Wino forever. Really? I mean, that's what you want to be known for? Why no? In fact, most tattoo shops, when you go in, there's this picture. Think before you ink. And here's the reason why. Because ink is permanent. 
And when you go in, when you're thinking about this, you have a lot of choices to make. In fact, let me ask you this. How many of y'all have a tattoo? Let me see your hands. Cool? Like, keep them up. Look around, guys. That's crazy. That's awesome. How many of y'all, you have a tattoo that you wished you could get changed or removed? Anybody? Wow, okay. In, in the 9 o'clock service, everybody who raised their hand raised their hand back again. So, anyway. But there's this whole idea you've got to think before you ink because it is permanent. It is permanent. And we're going to be talking about this entire... There's a lot of choices you've got to make. Number one, do you get a tattoo or do you not? And then if you get a tattoo, there is something called... I didn't know this until this week. There's something called flash, flash art or flash ink versus custom ink. And many times when you go into a tattoo parlor, they have these books of all of this stock art or flash art that you can pick, and there's really no creativity to it. Or you can see them on the walls, you just get them. Like your Hello Kitty or whatever that is. So for you men. Um, uh, but, you know, and one of the things that I was realized, I, I, as I was talking to people, is that most tattoo artists really don't like doing custom flash ink because there's no creativity to it. There's no creativity. So you have a choice. Are you going to get a custom uh, ink or are you going to get this flash or stock ink? Here's another one. Um, uh, where are you going to get it? Is it going to be on your spine? Is it going to be on your wrist? Is it going to be on your ankle? Is it going to be on your back? Is it going to be you know, on your arm? Is it going to be a sleeve tattoo? What is it? What are you going to get? And what are you going to get? You know, is it going to be an anchor? Is it going to be um, a pivotal point in your life that you kind of put that? It may be that you're remembering somebody and you put their initials. Uh, on your body, and you're remembering a person that, that, that just meant a lot to you. There, there's a lot of choices. You know, what are you going to get? How are you going to, if there's going to be color, there's a choice. I mean, there's just a lot of choices that you can do. And if you think about it, life just has a bunch of choices in itself. You see, some of you, you came this morning, and you said, okay, I'm either going to go to the interstate, or I'm going to go to Tiny Town Road, or I'm going to go through town. Right? Uh, some of you, you're like, okay, before I come, I'm going to go to Lasseter's Coffee, or I'm going to go to Starbucks, or I'm going to go get some coffee. And if you went to any of those places, then you have like one million choices of what type of caffeine drink to get, right? You know, decaf, caramel, fat, cartade, lafayette. I don't drink coffee. I don't know what it is, all right? So anyway, you just go, and it's just like, okay, you, know, you get all those choices. And some of you, you just, I mean, your life, if you think about it, life is just a series of just a lot of different choices. I mean, it is. I mean, you can choose who you marry or who you're going to date. You choose, okay, what am I going to do for a living and where am I going to go to school to be able to do that? And we're going to be able to take off student loans. And there's just a lot of choices that you make. But of all the choices that you and I can make, let me tell you one choice that you cannot make, and it's simply this. You cannot make somebody choose you. You can't. You may think you got all the power and all this stuff, and you could choose a lot of stuff, but you can't make somebody choose you. Think about this. You remember when you were like in second or third grade and you were playing dodgeball and they were kind of, you had team captains and like, you know, you had, and everybody was picking. How many of y'all, you were the first person picked? Let me see your hand so I can make fun of you. All right, because we all hated you. I got to be honest with you, all right? I, I mean, let's just be honest. Uh, I was never the first person picked. In fact, I was usually the last person picked. Because in a dodgeball game, there's a whole lot of area. I'm just saying, all right, bam, you out, Chris. I mean, daggum, right? So you have these two teams, and, you know, okay, I want you know, Bill. I want John. I want Jack. I want Roy. Then it starts going to the ladies. I want Jill. You know, I want Mary. I want Ann. I think I guess I'll have Chris because he's the last one, right? 
I mean, it just, it's just like, dang. And, and the pain for that, or some of you, you know the pain of what it means to not feel chosen because of you wanted to date somebody and it just didn't work out. I mean, you wanted them to like you, but they didn't really like you. I mean, I, begin, I, remember, I said this my, my, uh, in the early service at 9 o'clock. I, 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 third grade, I liked Mary Boone. Mary Boone is actually living in my cul-de-sac where we live now. It's crazy. They live in my neighborhood. And I'm just saying, Mary, you missed out. Just saying. Just saying. Okay? But you remember that heartbreak, the pain of not being chosen? You know, we can laugh about that, but for some of us, it's that pain that really does define us of not being able to choose. I mean, you can choose a lot of stuff, but you cannot choose to be chosen. You can't make somebody love you. You can't make somebody stay in the relationship when they want to walk out. You can't. And for some of you, you know exactly what that pain feels like because you're living it every day. And that's our big idea today. You cannot choose to be chosen by somebody else. You cannot make somebody choose you. The powerlessness that we experience when we cannot make somebody choose us. Those deep wounds are there. And for some of you, you know what that feels like because some of you are adopted. In fact, my wife is adopted. And there's something beautiful about the fact that when you're adopted that you were chosen and that somebody chose you. But if you really think about it, the beginning of your story is that somebody didn't want you. And the pain that you weren't chosen. And how come your mom didn't want to keep you or she couldn't take care of you? That pain so many times... Kids who experience adoption just really can't get over because they struggle. How come my mom didn't want me? For others of you, you're not adopted. You were born of a family, but there was some form of abandonment. Maybe a parent was supposed to love you, but they didn't, or maybe they couldn't. Um, Maybe a parent walked out. You thought that there would be there forever, but they chose another family over your family. Your dad chose another mom over your mom? Or your mom walked out and said, you know what? I don't want to be married anymore, and I don't want these kids anymore. And there's this whole idea that they didn't want you, and you could not make them choose you. And the pain, some of you, that happened when you were eight years old, but you're still dealing with the pain, and you're taking ownership of that. And you became maybe a stepson or a stepdaughter. But in reality, you just felt stepped on. You felt like you weren't chosen. You were, we are powerless to make somebody choose us. And when we try to make somebody choose us, it's manipulation. It's violence. It's possessive. And that has nothing to do with love. And some of you, you know how that feels. Because you manipulate people to try to force them to like you. But they really, you can't force somebody to like you. You can't force anyone to love you. But we try with all of our might to make ourselves choosable, don't we? I mean, think about it. When you were in high school, you wore the things that you wore so that people would like you. Why else in the world would we wear members-only jackets and parachute pants? <laughs> right? Seriously. I mean, you look at it today and you're going, oh, no, he didn't. Right? But yes, he did. Why? Because I wanted to be chosen. And you wear certain things so that you will be chosen. 
others of you, you act the way that you do so that you can be choosable. For others of you, you wanted to get good grades because you just wanted your parents just to choose you and to like you. For others of you, you chose the career that you did so that you could be desirable to somebody and that somebody would choose you. Some of the others, you just got so much drive and ambition. And what comes from that, where's the center of that, is that you so want to be chosen and to be choosable. All of us know what that feels like, that we cannot be chosen by somebody else. But listen to this. At the crossroads of our power to choose and our inability to make ourselves be chosen, it's in that crossroads where our identity goes up for grabs. It's in these crossroads where our souls are permanently eat. And we feel these marks. Spiritually, when it comes to God, for most of my life, I felt like it was I who was choosing God. In fact, I would go to churches and people said, you need to choose God. And I kind of thought of God as kind of like this guy on a Saturday night who's waiting by the phone and he's trilling his thumbs again. I sure do hope Chris does call. I really want Chris to be my friend. I really hope Chris likes me. And I viewed God like that. But I want to tell you, the more that I search the Bible and I realize this relationship I have with him, is this, that was a warped idea, and it's not me choosing God, but it is God choosing me. That's where it works. That's how it works. That it, my identity does not rest in me choosing God. My identity rests, are you listening to me? By God choosing you. And God choosing me. God chooses us. Where am I going to get this? Where is this in the Bible? If you have your Bibles, turn to Ephesians chapter 1. We're going to be in the little book of Ephesians. It's a letter written by a guy by the name Paul, writing to a church in Ephesus, and he entitled the letter Ephesians. All right? And we're going to be just looking at three verses in chapter 1. I love these verses. In fact, when I was in seminary, we did an entire semester on these 13 verses from Ephesians chapter uh, 1, verses 3 through verses 14. Just a lot of stuff packed in there. So let's dive into this. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4 says this. Even before he made the world, God loved us, and what did he do? He chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. Now think about this. With all the power to choose, with all the illusion of power, let's get one thing straight. This verse says, who chooses who? God chooses us. It's not us choosing God. It's not. Again, quick question. How many of y'all were around when he made the world? See, some of you, you think you're old. Like when you got down in your seat, you went like this. All right, I understand that, all right? I'm feeling you. But know this, you may feel old this morning. You're not that old, right? And I don't know, I don't care if that's 65 million years old or is that 6,000. I know there ain't nobody in here that was around for the creation of the world. But what God is saying to you and I today is that before all of this was even planned out, he chose you. He chose you and he loved you. Let me say this again. He loves you. Let me say this again. He will love you. 
your name is on the palm of his hand. Look at what it says in verse 5. God decided in advance, what is that next word? To adopt. To adopt us into his own family. How? By bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. Keep on going. That, this is what he wanted to do, and he was really ticked about it. Is that what it says? No. It gave him what? Great pleasure. God chooses us to be his child. You are chosen by God. Now, let me just hit the pause button here, because this is some cool stuff. Let me tell you, in every religious system in the world, in every other religious, you know, whether it be a cult or whether it be Islam or Buddhism or whatever, let me tell you this, in every religious system, all of those religious systems are unlike Christianity. Let me explain it. All of those religious systems, Islam, Buddhism, where you ascribe to a level of holiness and righteousness by the things that you do, and if you are righteous or holy enough with your choices, then you will be chosen. Christianity isn't like that. It's not. You see, the cool thing about Christianity is you are first chosen. And because you are chosen and you are included... Then we want to ascribe to that level of the choices and the deeds that we do. It's because we have been chosen that we want to live a better life and we want to do better and we want to act better. But you see, in all other world religions, you've got to act better and you've got to have the right choices so that you will be chosen. Not Christianity. And if that's what Christianity is to you, this religious system that I've got to do this, do this, and do this, do this, and if I, if I could just get better then maybe I'll get in. That's not Christianity. Christianity isn't about do. Christianity isn't spelled D-O. It is spelled D-O-N-E. Because Jesus has already done it for you. He's already made the choices so that you and I can be chosen. Throw that last uh, verse up there if you would. It says this. By bringing us to himself, how are we adopted? Through who? Jesus Christ. There it is. I love that. Being chosen by God isn't some sort of an exclusive club reserved for the religious people who somehow think they deserve it or have earned it. No, no, no. It is through Jesus Christ. Through Jesus Christ. The fact about God that you and I need to know today so that we can understand who we are is that he is a father. That word father sparks hundreds of different responses in all the people in this room because all of us have different experiences and exposures to our father or absence of a father. But imagine this word father about God is repeated over and over and over again. In fact, Jesus said this when he was praying. We just got finished with a prayer series. He would talk to his dad. He, says, he said, Abba, Father. And that's just Arabic. just means Daddy. Or Papa. He approached God through this very intimate way of coming to know God. God, the truth you need to know about God is that God is the Father. Now let me tell you, the truth that you need to know about you and me is that we're children. And apart from God, we're unchosen, abandoned, orphaned in this world, that outside the love of our Heavenly Father, we're unwanted, we're unwelcome. To understand the truth about who you and I are, You have to understand the truth that God is a father and that apart from God, you are abandoned, that you are orphaned, that you are unloved and unwanted, not chosen, rejected. Let me just, again, tell you a little bit of background on this. 
the backstory of this is in the Roman day, during the time Jesus lived, they really did not respect children or love children at all. In fact, um, if you were poor and you, you actually had a, ch- a child, this is very interesting, that the infant mortality rate was about 50%. In fact, they, most poor families, did not even name their children until a week later because they just didn't think the child probably would live, and most of the times they didn't. And if you were poor specifically, if you had a daughter, most daughters were thrown out. Seriously, look at, look at your history books. Most daughters, if you were poor, were like, you know what, they would put them on the garbage heap, they would throw them in the river. They would leave them in the wilderness. They would put them beside the riverbank. And they were unwanted and unloved. And if you had a son, okay, he was probably, you know, he could help around the house. But if it was a son that was special needs, the same thing would happen. And imagine, people would come up and pick up these children and if there, were, if there were boys, they would make them into gladiators. And if there were girls, they were sold into prostitution. And that's all that they knew. And then enters Jesus. And Jesus, he would hang out, and all the kids wanted to be around Jesus. And his disciples says, hey, shoo, get away. And Jesus is going, what are you doing? Let the kids come to me. So they're like, oh, they're climbing all over Jesus, right? And, and, and because Jesus elevated children, Jesus loved children, and because we are followers of Jesus, once Jesus died and went to heaven, you know what would happen? Is the early church would go around, and they would see these kids on the garbage heap or on the riverbanks or left in the wilderness, and they would scoop them up, and they would love on them, and they would adopt them. And they would adopt them. And all of these Christian families were now getting bigger and bigger and bigger families. And they were training them up to be Christ followers. And that is how the world was one for Jesus Christ. Why did they do that? Why in the world would anybody do that? Why? Because Jesus was adopted. You see, Jesus' father, God. But remember, Joseph and Mary? Joseph adopted him. And then we read in these verses like in Ephesians chapter 1 that we are adopted through Jesus. And they just naturally said, you know what? I want to adopt. And the whole reason behind that, this is so cool, because theology affects your activity. Theology informs your activity that what you believe will eventually work itself out in what you do. And that's exactly what was happening with God's people. Now what's so cool about this, have you ever seen a kid that's been adopted? I mean, their face lights up. It's such a beautiful thing. A kid who doesn't have a dad, they get a dad, and it changes the entire child's life. Everything changes because of who that new dad is. They even get a new last name. I love that. God's heart is the heart of a father. And the truth you and I are in this world is that we're an orphan. That's what's inked on our soul. But we have a Heavenly Father who comes in and chooses you and chooses me because that's a choice an orphan can't make. An orphan can't make the choice of who their father will be. I mean, think about it. An orphan in the middle of Africa, they don't get to choose who their parents will be. They live every day in the slightest shred of possibility that someone would choose them. But when somebody finally does, they don't get to pick who it is who that man or who that woman is. That's the reality of where you and I are at today. Until God comes onto the scene and chooses you, we're an orphan. But as soon as he chooses us, that gives us our identity. We get a new last name. It gives us purpose and hope and direction in our life because he 
inks our souls and we are chosen and adopted by our Heavenly Father. Now let me say, I'm going to just, that should change the way you look at yourself. Ladies, when you're in the mirror and you're going, really, is that that big? All right, really? That should change the way you look at yourself. That, if you can just comprehend that, that's going to fix your self-esteem issues. Because you will just see and capture how much God esteems you. Because you are chosen. And you are loved before the foundations of the world. He chose you. He wrote his name on the palms of his hands. That's how much he loves you. That's exciting. He's adopted us. He's chosen us. I'm going to hit verse 5 and verse 6 and then we're done. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do and it gave him great pleasure. And because he's been adopted and we've been adopted in him. We're in a family that's just a little bit different. Anybody want to agree with that? I mean, some look around. Some of y'all are just a little bit different. All right? And that's okay. All right? You know, there are a lot of churches that, you know, everybody looks perfect and everybody's great. We're a church full of Cousin Eddie's. Let's just be honest with you, all right? And, 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 and if you think, you know, well, I'm, I, you know, I'm better than that, let me tell you. We talked about this a couple weeks ago. You're just ordinary. We're all just ordinary. I love that because in this family, in the church family, the last are first. In this family, we don't seek to put ourselves in front. In this family, we don't seek to be served, but to serve. In this family, race and skin color mean nothing. In this family, because of economics, there isn't any division. Because all of us used to be orphans. In this family, we all have a past. We all been inked by something. And there are no favorites in this family. In this family, you don't work to earn your love. It is freely given by your heavenly Father. And you don't need to hoard his love and keep it to yourself because in this family, we share God's love with everyone. It doesn't matter what you do or what you're doing or what you will do. In this family, we don't stay locked up in the church house. We live our lives outside of this place in the world alongside people who are orphaned and abandoned, who do not know that they have an opportunity to be chosen by their heavenly daddy and to be brought into the family of God. That's what we're called to be in this family. It's not just about us in the family. It's not just about us. It's for the world that God so loved the world. That's what it's about. I like verse 6. I'm going to throw that up there if you would. Verse 6 says this. So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who what? Some of you, you've been trying your entire life just to belong. Really, you trust so hard. Because I've been there. Just to belong. Let me tell you, you have an opportunity today to belong. So as I close, I just want to encourage you, just, just some very simple things. You know, for some of you, you're living your life like an orphan. You're a Christ follower, but you're trying to find the church 
with like the perfect preaching and the perfect worship and the perfect whatever and keep on looking because there, it's not out there. It's not out there. What you're going to have to do is to stop church shopping and say, I am going to be a part of a family. Let me tell you, this is very important. A Christian without a church family is called an orphan. So why are you still living like orphans? That's the way we used to live. You start living like orphans when you're focused on yourself and not focused on the needs of the entire family. That's what it is, to belong. Let me show you the next one. If, if one, sheet, one church is your home, then start to belong. Start to get involved. And really, here's the last thing I really want to land on is this, is that today you have the opportunity to be adopted. You see, some of you are here and you bounced out of church years ago because of something that happened, very painful, and I don't know what happened, but I'm telling you, all of us, we've had bad church experiences. We've had just bad experiences, period. And you're show, you've shown up today and you thought it was kind of a coincidence, but it's not because God was calling you today. He's already chosen you. And he said, why don't you come back? For others of you, you still got a lot of questions and you're kind of kicking the tires of Christianity. And you're like, I still have, I don't have all of my questions answered. Let me just be real with you. You're never going to have all of your questions answered. The older I am and I grow in the faith, the more questions I have. And I'm okay with that. I really am. But here's the thing that you can understand today. That God chooses you. And he wants to adopt you. Now, here's the thing. Some of you are like, okay, if he chooses us, then what's my response? That's a great question. Thanks for asking. Let me show you a great verse, John 3, 16. We all, you probably know it. It says, for God so loved. So what does God do? He loves. God so loved the world. And some of you, let me say, you're married to, or you're dating a guy who loves you in word but doesn't back it up in deed. You know, he's like, I love you, baby. But he won't do stuff. No, that ain't right. Because God, he says he loves you, but you know what he does? God so loved the world that he gave. You see, loving and giving go hand in hand. And God says, I love you so much, I've chosen you so much, that I love you and I've given you my son, Jesus Christ. Now, that's what he does. This is what we do. That if we believe, you see, your job your part in this relationship is for you to say, okay, I believe it. Now you're thinking, isn't there more than that? I mean, don't I need to like walk an aisle or like sign a church roll or, or you, know, you know, whatever? No. We believe, then you have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that if you would believe, you will have eternal life. God gives, God loves, we believe we receive. That's it. And for some of you, that's what you need to do today to be adopted in to the family of God. So I'm going to pray, and I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. I'm not going to ask you to walk down front. Where you're at, I want you to focus on God, and I want you to talk to him like you're talking to your best friend, because he can be. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, God, I, I still have questions. I still struggle. God, the one thing I ask, Lord, that you would forgive me 
of all the stuff in my heart, my life. Lord, I believe that you chose me. Lord, I know that you love me. Lord, I, I now realize that you've given your, your one and only son. And Lord, I believe in him. I ask you, God, to come and be the center of my life. And Lord, let me follow you. Let me be permanently inked by you. Thank you for hearing this prayer. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.